Montana state parks help unlock the history of our great state. From Giant Springs to Lewis and Clark Caverns, from Bannock to Flathead Lake, these gems are here for you to visit. Join us today on the Nature Journal as we talk with FVCC Library Director Morgan Ray about these slices of Montana. Hi, and welcome to the FBCC Nature Journal, the podcast for everyone who loves nature. We are coming to you from the beautiful campus of Flathead Valley Community College at the foot of the Swan Mountain Range of Northwest Montana. I'm John Fraley, longtime instructor in wildlife conservation here at the college, and I also served 40 years with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. Our producer is Colin Burkhart, and thanks to Morgan Ray, the library director, for offering the library as our podcast home. And Morgan, you're going to join us today. Thanks a lot for coming on. Thanks for having me, John. Now, you are very famous around here because <laughs> you have visited every single state park in Montana, at least that we know of, right, that we that you can tell. Yes, yeah, and I think you're the only one who thinks I'm famous, but I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate the accolades. Yes, I visited every Montana state park. And how long did that take you to do? It was part of my intention to do it. I think it maybe took 18 months or so. I traveled a lot in my old job here at the college for work. And so I just made it a point of visiting every state park while traveling. So I would say 18 months. Most of it happened in the span of kind of four weeks. And then there were some outliers that took a little bit longer to make it over to. So you've made a list of some of your good, the bad, and the ugly state parks. We want to talk about that, but first let's talk about the Montana State Parks itself. First of all, their website's fantastic, right? It really is. I think it provides an even footing for every state park, and so Mm -hmm. you can see kind of the best that every state park or area has to offer across the state. And you can click on each state park and pictures come up Mm -hmm. and information. It's it's one of the best interactive websites I've ever seen. And the the other thing about it, well, those photos are very unique. How far away the park is or how remote it is, you can actually look at photos of the park. So that's pretty neat. And then people may not realize it, but the Montana State Park does manage 55 parks, and that includes seven national historic landmarks. And Montana State Parks is actually part of Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, but it has a separate commission and an alternative source of funding. It's been kind of passed around between Department of Commerce and and Fish, Wildlife, and Parks in the past. I think it was Department of Commerce. But it's free admission for all Montana residents, right? You get in with your license plate. And let's talk about since you're the only person I've ever met that has uh, visited every state park, let's talk about some of your good, your best. Your So give us a few of the best, the ones you like the most. Yeah, so I was actually inspired by the Montana State Parks book put out by Aaron Madison and Kristen Inbody. I believe that was part of a Great Falls Tribune publishing. And the reason I visited all the parks is because I was traveling a lot for work. And I was on the road and I was kind of doing the same routes all the time. And so I wanted to visit something and see something new. And so my top five favorite parks, and five is really painful. I could probably give you my top 10 a lot easier. (laughs) I really love Medicine Rocks State Park, which is down in southeastern Montana. So what do you like about it? So it's old sand dunes that were formed back when Montana was still essentially an ocean or a lake. And there's just something otherworldly about them. So it's, you know, the plains of Montana, you drop down a hill and all of a sudden you have these massive sand dunes that are, I can't remember how tall, a hundred feet or more. And they're just there and you 
walk in amongst them and you can feel like a different kind of energy. You can feel the history of Montana in that place. And it was quiet. My friend and I were the only two people there. And we really had the whole state park to ourselves. And that was just a really wonderful experience. That sounds fantastic. What's that called again? Medicine Rocks State okay. Park. How about another one? I I think a lot of my park experience has to do with kind of the time of year, the memories that I made there. So I went and camped at Lost Creek State Park over towards Anaconda. And it was the fall, the leaves were changing. And I just had a wonderful experience. There's a waterfall nearby that you could hear. Mm. Again, not super crowded park. You can tell that I like some of the more isolated places. Mm-hmm. There were a couple people there. We went hiking and we just had a really wonderful, relaxing time. I would return back to Lost Creek State Park in a heartbeat, especially during that fall foliage time. It was beautiful. Sure, sure. sure. How about another one? I love ghost towns. So the other places I like to visit, I've visited a lot of different ghost towns across the state of Montana. And while Bannock is great and has a really interesting history, I actually prefer Granite Ghost Town which is north of Phillipsburg. You drive through Phillipsburg and then up to the top of a mountain, and it's an old mining town there. And that one is just really cool because it sits at a much higher elevation, and the forest has really started to reclaim that park. And so you walk in and amongst that one, and it feels very unpreserved, which is so different from, you know, Bannock or, like, Virginia City and those areas. Right, 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 right. How about one more favorite one? You know, I have lived in Whitefish for many years, mm-hmm. so I love Les Mason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I like that park. I love that park, and I think in terms of access to it, it's really easily accessible, and it still can feel remote, right? It's not overrun with people the way some of the other ones might be. It can still get pretty busy, don't get me wrong, but yeah. that one I think you get a great view. It's not as intrusive as some of the other parks. It's funny you mention that one because I go there all the time in summer. What I'll do is I'll yeah. climb up Big Mountain on the trail, Danny on trail or whatever, then come back down and then I'll drive over there, eat my lunch along the lake. And it's really, you know, it's never that crowded. No. Usually. And it's a, just a beautiful beach on the lake. I mean, you go to like Whitefish City Beach or something like that and you're just people everywhere. But that's, I don't think a lot of people are aware of that. Oh, well, then maybe we shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's my fault if it gets overrun. What's that second category? My honorable mentions. So okay. the ones that I still think about or I think have a lot of value. So Lewis and Clark Caverns mm-hmm. was actually the first Montana State Park. I love it, but it's too many people for me. It's a little too structured. Yeah. You have to go in and take a guided tour. Right. You and I were talking before we started recording about the Buffalo Jumps. So there's two. There's First Peoples and then Madison. I love them both. They're just a really wonderful place to, again, kind of look back at the Montana history and our history with our native tribes. Same with Rosebud Battlefield is on my list. It was actually a battle that happened eight days before Custer's Last Stand. Yeah. And that battle had a lot to do with the shaping of Custer's Last Stand. And it's a little-known park and a little-known battle that had a huge impact on the history and our expansion into the West. I'll have to read up on that. You know, you you mentioned the buffalo jumps like I was telling you before. My family and I love Madison buffalo Mm -hmm. jump. Well, first of all, my wife grew up there from, well, 20 miles away where she lived her whole life. She's a fifth generation Montana. And the thing I liked about Madison Buffalo Jump is you're not going to see very many people when you go there. No. And, it's, and you look up and you can just see the cliff where they came off, where the bison were run off. And you can hike up there. You can look around. There's still bison bones laying mm-hmm. around, you know, shards and stuff. You don't take them with you, but you can look at them. And you can just really get the feel of what it must have been like to do it and there's no regulations and rules and people telling you where to go i mean it's just like wide open and my kids have always loved it they one of my kids almost stepped on a rattlesnake there <laughs> and there's bull snakes there i mean it's just like wild you know we we had a snake encounter at first peoples okay 
I went back into the visitor center and was like, because it, it wasn't a snake I'd seen, you know, it wasn't a rattlesnake. So I went in and was like, what snake did I just see? And I'm like looking at the site because they have a great visitor center. Yeah. So what was it? Oh, I can't remember. I it was a bull snake. It was... It was something weird. She was like, oh, you saw one of those? It's pretty good size? Yeah, it, well, to me, a, any snake is a pretty good size. So. <laughs> Could have been a rubber boa, too. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Like, it was almost like an iridescent. It, it was very cool from far away. But you know what I noticed, too? So my wife's family still lives around Madison, not too far from Madison, Buffalo Jumping. And one of her good friends that she grew up with, we said, where are you, where are you guys going? Well, we're going to stop at Madison Buffalo Jump on our way back to Cal's place. Well, don't shoot up all your film. In other words, this person, just because there wasn't like structures yeah. and things to do there, it was like, big deal, it's just a cliff. But they don't realize the free feeling and the history behind it. But I just thought that was pretty funny. Don't shoot up all your film. I think that's an interesting point, right? Because we have, we always talk about Glacier and we talk about Yellowstone. And really the state park systems were developed nationwide to try and help absorb some of those things. So not everything becomes a national park. Right. And so that we have kind of this second tier, mm -hmm. air quotes, mm -hmm. level of parks. And I think some of the state parks that I visited in Montana are just as beautiful mm -hmm. without half of the people a quarter of the people, a fraction of the people, really. And I feel like I connect better in nature in some of those places than Glacier. Don't get me wrong. I love Glacier. Yeah, but it's more lightly managed. And, yeah. You know, when I was with Fish Island Parks for, for 40 years, I watched, watched it happen. The state parks director and our great manager we have here, Dave Landstrom, he would always kind of err on the side of more natural type of a park. And I think that's what sets it apart. I think that's what sets state parks apart. Is they're, they're more natural, more laid back, more historical. So what about your last category? So it's actually funny that you said that. So my category here is least likely to return. <laughs> and so I don't, I don't believe any state park can be a bad state park, but the ones that I don't feel particularly called to visit again. And a lot of that urban development of a park is what turned me off of some of them. So yeah. you have like Lake Elmo, which is in kind of the heart of Billings, Spring Meadow Lake, which is in Helena. But one park that I loved, I just probably will never make it over into that corner again, is Brush Lake State mm. Park. It's actually in the northeast corner. It's the only one kind of up in that region. And it's a mile long crystal blue water and it's just from where a piece of a glacier melted. So it's a fascinating park. I mm. loved it. I will just never be up in the upper yeah. northeast corner of Montana again, easily. And you notice a lot of times you'll be in an area that take a lot of work to get to or it's a long ways off or there's so many other things you're gonna do and you just know in your mind, I'll never pass this way again. So I'm just gonna take a look at it here and I know I'll never return. I can think of a lot of places in the Bob and yeah. winters where I know I'm not gonna go through what it took to get there again. And so, well, this is my last time there. You know, I would go back to Hell Creek State Park, north of Jordan is kind of far away. And I would go back to that one in a heartbeat. It's got a great history around it. It was remote, it felt peaceful. So Hell Creek is one that, although it's kind of out of the way, I'd really recommend people visit. Well, Morgan, thanks a lot for coming on. We're gonna have yeah. to do this again. <laughs> I'm glad, John. It's always a good time. All right. That's all the time we have for this episode of The Nature Journal. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fraley, and I'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.